0: Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 55, and I'm drinking Captain Morgan Original Spiced Rum. For each episode of this podcast, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Captain Morgan on this episode because I've always enjoyed the spirit, It's something I started ordering, a Captain and Coke, when I came of legal drinking age in my youth, early 20s. It's a hugely popular brand, plus there's more to the story than I initially thought when I started researching this episode. So let's get to it. The bottle I have for the tasting is the standard 750 milliliters. It is 35% alcohol by volume, making it 70 proof. And it sells for about $20 US. It's a nice clear glass bottle, very uh, bespoke molding. It's got the words Captain Morgan molded just below the shoulder. Uh, Above the shoulder it's got two swords crossed with a C and an M in a circle. And on the back of the bottle there is a large pirate sailing ship. The label of course is the fancy sort that comes with the economies of scale of high volume production. It features gold metallic ink, along with some high-gloss and satin-gloss coatings over various portions. It creates a tactile effect on the label that your hand and eye pick up on. The most striking feature, of course, is the iconic illustration of the captain himself. tri pointed hat, flowing hair, mustache, little bit of a goatee, a blue cape over a red coat, sword in hand, devilish grin, and the left leg up on a barrel of rum. Okay, let's crack the bottle open. Here we go. Screw cap, as expected. I've got a clean Glen Karen, which is a whiskey nose and glass. It's great for enjoying a spirit. As always, I am tasting the spirit neat, which is straight out of the bottle, room temperature, no ice, no dilution. Let's go for a pour. It's got a nice amber color. It's aged. It looks aged, barrel aged. It is indeed barrel aged for a little bit. Let's try it on the nose. Pick up vanilla and a little bit of nondescript spice. There's a rum, caramel, smells good. A little candied and sweet, though there's not sugar in it. It's, It's got a very pleasant nose. All right, now let's try it on the pellet. Hmm. I get vanilla, really prominent vanilla. It surprises me how much vanilla flavor I pick up on this. I don't really get the rum-ness, there's rum to it, but it doesn't taste like just a pure rum. The vanilla is almost overpowering. And this may be a trick of my mind in doing the research I got into the flavor profile and what actually the spicing or the spice is in Captain Morgan. And it's predominantly vanilla. So I've got that kind of stuck in my head, but I taste it in the glass for sure. Let's go for another taste. I will say maybe it's just my palate as I'm recording, but it's very smooth, there's no real bite. I don't get any strong ethanol vapors coming off of it. It's very nice, easy drinking in the glass. It could be the fact that it's only 70 proof that it doesn't have any bite. Smooth is such an odd descriptor. My last episode was on Christian Brothers brandy, the VS Very Smooth, they really purport to be smooth. This is smoother, maybe I need to try some of the brandy and compare. Okay, so now for the story. Captain Morgan is currently owned by Diageo, the large global spirits conglomerate. It didn't start there, though. Captain Morgan is older than Diageo, which was only founded in 1997. The brand was created by Seagram in 1944 when Samuel Bronfman, the CEO of Seagram, bought the Long Pond Distillery from the Jamaican government. The Long Pond Distillery had many customers who were buying bulk New Spirit and one customer was a pharmacy located in Kingston, Jamaica named Levy Brothers. The Levy family had been buying the distillery's rum, adding some medicinal herbs and spices to it, aging it for some time, then bottling it. Bronfman apparently tried some of the finished product, liked it so much he bought the rights to it, and that original product was named Captain Morgan. The origin of the name is a little fuzzy. Samuel Bronfman himself may have come up with it, but it's certain the connection with the real Captain Morgan and Jamaica had influence. And yes, there was a real Captain Morgan, though he died centuries before the rum was named for him. So who was he? His name was Henry Morgan, and a Henry Morgan signature appears on the label next to the barrel that the Captain Morgan has his foot up on. But Henry Morgan was eventually knighted by the King of England, so he was later in life properly known as Sir Henry Morgan. And he was a nearly unstoppable privateer or buccaneer, both legal forms of piracy, but he was arrested by England for being a pirate. It eventually led to his knighthood. The real Henry Morgan was born in Wales in 1635 to an upper-class family. He wanted to be a sailor from a young age, and as a young man, he traveled to the Caribbean to make his dreams come true. He became a privateer, essentially a sailing mercenary, sanctioned by the country who hired them. Privateers were basically legal pirates who would raid enemy ships and keep the plunder. Henry Morgan served in the Anglo-Spanish War, a six-year battle in the Caribbean between England and Spain over commercial and colonial interests. Privateers were very democratic and pretty much self-organizing, and they'd vote to elect a captain. Henry Morgan apparently was so eager and good at being a privateer that at the young age of only 23, hundreds of men voted for him to be their leader. As a privateer, he was very successful and probably pretty ruthless. A former shipmate published a memoir of his time with Morgan, recounting some of the torture and other offenses that he was famous for. This was a book called Buccaneers of America. But Henry Morgan sued the book's publisher for libel and actually won. He claimed that he was not such a bad guy as he was portrayed in the memoir. And this may or may not be true. Maybe he really was a bad guy and didn't want to be remembered in that way. Or maybe indeed he wasn't as bad and really wanted to protect his good name. Either way, it's the exploits recounted in this memoir that have painted the picture of the real Henry Morgan in popular consciousness. The raid that got him arrested for piracy was when at the behest of the governor of Jamaica, he led a crew to attack Panama City. The crew had to hike across miles of the Panamanian Isthmus because they landed on the Caribbean side, but the city was on the Pacific side. Dozens of men died just on the trek to the city, but when they did arrive, they were successful in defeating the Spanish and pillaged the city. Upon returning to Jamaica as victors, Henry Morgan was arrested by the English and sent back to England, because unbeknownst to him, during the time it took him to leave Jamaica, go to Panama, sack the city, and come back, England and Spain had signed a peace treaty. But when he got to England, he was received as a sort of celebrity, and his fame quickly spread, even the king wanted to be around him, and the king eventually knighted him. Morgan returned to Jamaica. As a wealthy man, he ended up owning three sugar plantations and was appointed Lieutenant Governor of Jamaica. Sir Henry Morgan died at age 53. Boats from all over the Caribbean came to Port Royal, Jamaica to pay the respects with purportedly a wonderful 22 cannon salute in his honor. Interestingly, when Morgan was in England around the time of his knighthood, He had a portrait painted of himself, and this portrait shows a baby-faced young man with no mustache, but long, tightly curled black hair and a white ruffled shirt. A fair bit different from the classic pirate image we know of him on the rum bottle. So that's a brief life story of the man whose name was used by Seagram in 1944, but let's get back to the rum. The original Captain Morgan rum was the first spiced rum, though it wasn't actually called spiced rum. It was simply a dark rum and referred to as Black Label. It was also a regional product, mostly sold in the Caribbean and the UK. The label didn't feature the captain with the swagger we know so well from the bottle. Early pre-swagger Captain Morgan ads feature a captain who looks much more like a character from Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean ride pre-Johnny Depp. Somehow quaint and a bit portly. According to Arthur Shapiro, former marketing director for Seagram, who recounts in his book Inside the Bottle and on his blog Booze Business, in the early 1980s, Seagram was looking at their spirits portfolio and finding gaps. Filling these gaps usually meant adding a white spirit or a vodka or rum, maybe a gin, as brown spirits, i.e. whiskey, had really fallen out of favor in the U.S., They found there was room for another rum in Seagram's U.S. offering to be positioned above the bottom shelf they had, a weak mid-range product, and below their premium, which was Myers rum. So Seagram brought in an outside consultant to help guide them in a way to compete against the market leader in rum, which was Bacardi. Even with Seagram's substantial budgets and distribution, a head-to-head rum battle wouldn't really be a winnable fight. So the consultants recommended a flavored rum to fill Seagram's portfolio gap. But what flavor? Nowadays, flavored spirits have almost taken over. It's been subdued a bit from the pinnacle of, well, pinnacle brand vodkas and every flavor imaginable filling liquor store shelves. But in the early 80s, flavored spirits were rare. Eventually, Seagram decided to go with vanilla as the primary flavor additive because most rum is mixed, and a lot of it is mixed with cola. So a vanilla flavor would complement cola very well. They added a few more ingredients too, but settled on Spiced as a flavor name because it's a rather brilliant marketing move, I think. It's ubiquitous, but lets the user decide really what it tastes like. They had the Spiced Rum flavor formula, but they needed to brand it. The North American-based Seagram's team was creating this new product, and to be successful, they needed a good name to build a brand on. Eventually, someone realized Seagram owned a little regional brand sold mostly in the UK named Captain Morgan, and they co-opted that name for the new Spiced Rum. To give it life, they hired the famed U.S. artist Don Mates, who specializes in sci-fi and fantasy, to create the character of Captain Morgan. Don's original paintings created the captain as we know him today, in the famous pose with a leg up on a barrel, in his trademark red overcoat with a flowing blue cape and a sword in one hand. The new brand was test marketed in 1982 and was national by 1984. Heavy promotion to the on-premise trade helped quickly grow sales, making Captain Morgan a leading brand. By the early 1990s, there was some brand extension with a few different versions to compete against more specific categories. For instance, a Captain Morgan private stock was introduced to compete against upmarket Bacardi products. In 2001, with the implosion of Seagram, Diageo ended up owning the brand. And if you recall from episode 48 on Malibu rum, Diageo sold Malibu to keep Captain Morgan, the much more valuable rum brand, in the portfolio. Diageo has continued to invest in Captain Morgan, and the sales volumes have increased under their ownership. They've run campaigns to get people to pose like the captain, and even tried a covert ag campaign with NFL players. The plan was to donate $10,000 to charity each time an NFL player struck the Captain Morgan pose on camera, but the NFL shut it down real quick. Diageo's also worked to protect the brand. In 2014, Diageo Canada sued Heaven Hill for violation of trade dress, or brand's look and feel, when they realized that Heaven Hill's brand of spiced rum, named Admiral Nelson, looked strikingly similar to Captain Morgan, and they argued, successfully, that the branding was confusing to consumers and would hurt Captain Morgan's sales. These legal battles take time because the court decision did not come until 2017, three years later. Over time, additional flavors and versions of Captain Morgan have been released, with as many as a half dozen available at any given time, depending on where you are in the world. As of 2019, Captain Morgan had worldwide sales of 11.9 million 9-liter equivalent cases, making it a mass-market brand. Most sales are in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and global travel, or duty-free, at airports. So that's the history of the brand, the rum, and the real Captain Morgan, Sir Henry Morgan. But let's talk about how it's made. While it started as a bulk rum that was flavored and aged, it's now made in a continuous column still at a distillery in the U.S. Virgin Islands. For many years, Seagram's had a distillery in Puerto Rico, but Seagram eventually sold the distillery to a local firm and licensed the brand to them. In 2010, Captain Morgan found itself in a heated debate in the United States Congress as the U.S. Virgin Islands was using aggressive tax incentives to lure companies to them from other U.S. territories, namely Puerto Rico. And the U.S. Congress debated the tactics. The U.S. Virgin Islands Prevailed though, and a new distillery was set up there, and that's where Captain Morgan is made today. It's a sugarcane base that's column distilled, but not so much to take all the flavor out, so they don't get it to a pure neutral grain spirit like if you're making vodka. The new spirit is then aged in oak for up to a year, lending the natural color to the spirit. At the end of the production process, so after it's aged, the secret blend of flavors are added to the rum, and it's claimed it makes use of spices indigenous to the Caribbean. That leaves a lot of wiggle room for what's actually in it. The bottle notes on the back label that it's finished and bottled in the United States. But that's about it. High volume rum production, aged some, flavored at the end. So now let's talk cocktails and consumption. It's hard to get more classic than the Captain and Coke. In fact, it could be argued that at least according to Arthur Shapiro, it was formulated to go specifically with cola. So enjoy it thusly. There are, of course, dozens of cocktails for which Captain Morgan is well-suited. Simple highballs or long drinks when you have a spirit and one predominant mixer served over ice are always popular, i.e. Captain Morgan and Coke. So in summary, what do I think of Captain Morgan? Well, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I really like this spirit I've had many bottles in my lifetime. It's a good spirit. It's reasonably priced. You don't feel bad about pouring it freely for friends, family, or just by yourself if you want to drink. I'm not sure I've ever actually just sipped it neat. I've done shots of Captain, I'm sure, but usually it's always mixed, typically with cola. I was surprised by how predominantly vanilla-flavored it is, and again, in the tasting notes, That may just be because in my research, I found out it is mostly vanilla flavored. And so that's what my tongue is tasting for. But yeah, I love the branding. I think there's so much about the brand story, what Seagram created in the early 80s. Really, this is the story of two brands. There was a small regional brand that was a traditional kind of product from the mid-40s. Up until the early 80s, when it was reborn, basically they took a brand off the shelf that they had, repurposed it for a new product, and we have the Captain Morgan that we know today. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on LiquorintheCoreConnoisseur.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you get your podcasts. I strive to be on your favorite platform. The show's also on social media. I'm really leaning into Instagram lately, so make sure you're following me there. Also on Twitter and Facebook. More and more people are reaching out to me, telling me about spirits they enjoy, episodes they listen to, and questions about different things. Reach out. Contact information is in show notes. And as always, thank you for listening.